How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm tired. I had a long week. Yeah, community day always uh, puts us down on Sunday pretty well. Well, I worked a lot this week. I'm taking an extra project, an extra project, so for work work, not video work. So I've <laughs> only live streamed this week. That's all I work, did. Work work. <laughs> yeah, I streamed for almost eight hours yesterday. Yes, you did. Not, not more than eight no, hours? No, I went oh, back and counted. Okay. It was like... Uh, that surprises me. I think it was seven, yeah, it was like seven hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> mm. I'm <laughs> so counting you it. You can count it as eight. Third of a day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a pretty good community day, though. Got a lot done. Both on gold. I don't know if you finished. I don't think you no. did. No. You did pretty well, though. Oh, you're, okay. Aha. I'm just like noob, tut, tut, noob tut. at this. I well, there was Not a lot of stuff on my... this table, so it was it, we had to get it organized my again. Wand is never ready anymore. <laughs> no, wand's ready. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> wand's wand's ready. ready. All right, turn to page forty-nine. The Leaky Cauldron. Mm-hmm. Today's lesson is called Freedom and Security. A synopsis. The chapter begins with Harry experiencing a freedom he'd never had before, wandering about Diagon Alley, surrounded by witches, wizards, and all things magical. He checks out animals, equipment, books, food, and quidditch supplies. While he's there, he runs into several classmates before finally seeing Ron and Hermione along with the rest of the Weasley family. Percy has been named head boy, Fred and George are as hilarious as ever, and Ginny seems to have fully recovered from her ordeal the previous year. Hermione purchases a new cat, Crookshanks, while Ron's sickly-looking rat, Scabbers, tries new medicine. Everything is going well until Harry overhears Arthur and Molly discussing whether Harry deserves to know that Sirius Black is after him and would likely try to kill him at first chance. They hope that the frightening guards of Azkaban Prison will successfully recapture Black before the worst happens. This news looms over Harry's final evening, but doesn't cause him the fear Mr. and Mrs. Weasley anticipated. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's actually a pretty short synopsis for a relatively long chapter. It was a very long, long, long chapter, and there are so many details. And I really like I like these chapters, but it's hard for me to focus um, for the podcast episode mm-hmm. because uh, it's another introduction of kind of like the depth of the wizarding world. So you have um, Harry. I feel like anytime Harry's in Diagon Alley, it's just like an explosion of yeah. like there's all these like little details that kind of. Um, they reveal there's more to this world. There's, like, histories and there's, like, uh, theories and there's, like, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a bunch of, like, sporadic things and Mm. then I guess, I don't know, maybe in conversation towards the end we can get more of my, like, philosophical questions and stuff. But uh, Transfiguration Today. So Harry Mm. is in the Leaky Cauldron and he's, like, kind of... Well, he just he kind of like uh, talks about his days leading up to uh, getting ready to depart for Hogwarts again. And so he notices witches and wizards. And in one of his like commentary is that they, uh, he sees transfiguration today. And that is apparently a scholarly journal (laughs) (laughs) focused on the latest news on developments in the magical field of transfiguration. And it publishes articles and papers submitted by prominent and knowledgeable figures in the subject. So Dumbledore and McGonagall are both 
related to this uh Have they published there? Yeah, so apparently when Dumbledore was a student in the 1890s, he wrote some papers to the magazine. <laughs> um, and apparently at least one of them was on transspecies transformation. And the reason we know that is actually going to come later on. Um, Batilda Bagshot was impressed by the paper, and that's kind of like how she became acquainted with ah. the Dumbledore family. But we also knew that okay. Dumbledore found out, I guess, I don't know if we find out in this series or if it's like just part of canon, that he did teach transfiguration. Um, and that's that's part of his... Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Dumbledore mm -hmm. being connected to transfiguration today is one thing. And then McGonagall, McGonagall, um, by the end of her, this is writing about McGonagall on Pottermore, now Wizarding World. By mm -hmm. the end of her education at Hogwarts, McGonagall achieved an impressive record. Top grades in her Al's Newts, Prefect, Head Girl, and winner of Transfiguration Today Most Promising Newcomer Award. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, that's just like a little, it just, it makes it feel real. Like, you yeah. have these publications you have these accolades and it's just a whole society that exists well it's a probably a good time for me to happen with what i looked up which yeah. was just head boy and head girl oh. i don't know if you looked at that no well. i did not there's no. not there a lot so about it of like little like yeah. details everywhere but it percy, was that kind of chapter i was like i'm just gonna pick percy's one percy's gonna be head boy percy is going to be head boy mm. uh there is uh, the article was written a little uh, ambiguously but my understanding a little deeper is that there are head boy head girl for each of the four houses yes their seventh mm -hmm. year student um they don't have to have been a prefect so you can become head boy or head girl having okay. not been a prefect before mm -hmm. but they do oversee the prefects okay um one of the reasons it's a good segue is because both D albus dumbledore and minerva mcgonagall <laughs> were head boy and head girl uh yeah respectively also both of harry's parents mm. apparently and bill weasley as well billiam yeah Bill, old <laughs> billy well yeah the weasleys i think it was molly who commented right she was like oh second right right but um, it wasn't Charlie. second one and then uh, uh fred or george one of them was like it'll be the, and the last, last. <laughs> yes and then jenny laughs and it's all good yeah i mean fred and george are the best <laughs> they really are Oh, good to see you, old boy. Oh, my gosh. Because Harry's they, like, it's like meeting the mayor. I, I feel kind of bad for Percy because he's just, I mean, yeah, he's being extra and annoying, but then he's also being mocked for it. And it's just yep. like so blatant. And Molly's trying to be like, all right, dude, right. that's enough. And even towards the end when they they were they end up revealing that they took his badge and they changed it to big head or yep, big head yep, boy. Yep, 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 yep. It, Harry forces a laugh, you know, politely, right, right. as Harry does. I mean, I think um, it's a good point on Percy, for sure. I also think it's fun to understand that mocking within the concept of him being quite big-headed and egotistical. I mean, like, there's a... We can both wonder about the uh, mocking and also kind of mm -hmm. understand where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of a, um, it's a weird dynamic because the Weasleys are or seem to be such humble people, and so like mm -hmm. that sort of like uh, 
I don't know, uppityness is doesn't seem to fit. So no, not in um, any obvious way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else on head? No, I girls? think that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So just some other random things. So a lunascope, which I was like, what is mm. this? Um. It's unsurprisingly has to do with the moon luna Mm -hmm. and like because they don't need moon charts anymore that's what the guy says yeah so that was i mean that's basically you don't need your times tables you got a calculator yeah well (laughs) (laughs) that there was that other thing that uh harry saw so like he went to gringotts and got all his money and he's like oh like he had to basically restrain himself the golden gobstone set yeah yeah well the golden gobstone set but there is this other thing that he was like oh i wouldn't have to go take another astronomy lesson again or whatever it was like the thing that was in the the little orb yeah but yeah that just made me laugh well it also cracked me up the description of gobstones because i never actually looked into it oh yeah it makes more sense now some smell smelly thing on them yeah (laughs) with the foundable confoundable like the pixies have the gobstone set and you actually play gobstones in hogwarts mystery and i guess i never understood it because there is a like an explosion that happens when you're playing it and i'm like oh i guess this is how you play i don't know um the other thing that i looked up was this uh florian fortescue Mm -hmm. i think that's how you say his name uh ice cream fortescue i don't know i don't know ice cream parlor um this parlor because uh so like harry's in there and I'll, I'll get to that, but right. owned and operated by this guy named Florian before he disappeared in in the future, in a few years, 1996. He's, yep. he's going to disappear he will. in the future. Um, but then I, uh, when I was like looking this up, I there was a thread of information, which I didn't really catch on, that Harry seems to be getting ice cream a lot in Diagon Alley. Like at yeah. the beginning, like every time he's like he getting his get books. He's so got a sweet tooth. In book one, Hagrid gives him a chocolate and raspberry flavored uh, with chopped nuts. I want ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the beginning of book two, Harry bought strawberry and peanut butter ice cream for him, strawberry Ron, and Hermione. And okay, good mm-hmm. call. This is good research. This is top quality. My gosh. And then book three now, he's just getting free Sundays every, every half hour, <laughs> dudes. Yeah. No. Apparently, Florian knows a lot about uh, the topic burning, at hand. Right? Yeah. yeah. So good for Harry for getting that essay. He's done. resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia, Florian. Oh, man. Okay. Um, and then we have this is also very early on in the chapter. Like all of this, all of these details, I, we're not even in like, I don't, I don't know, maybe five pages in but <laughs> the firebolt we have this uh-huh. uh prototype for this new um broomstick and the part that stood out to me in the so like it's actually different it's like a little flyer in the text of the book so that's why it kind of stands out mm-hmm. um but it says that it can go 150 miles per hour in 10 seconds and i don't know if i've ever looked this up before but when i was reading this i was like wait a minute, why are we talking about miles per hour? And I'm not the first person to ask this question. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently there's a whole entry on Wizarding World. And if you just search measurements, Mm -hmm. uh, Pottermore or something of the like, it'll probably pop up for you. Um, Apparently uh, what was written on this entry is that British witches and wizards do not use electricity or computers. So Mm -hmm. when there was a switch to metric or like a, you know, uh, adoption of the metric system metric measurements um they chose not to adopt it they ignored the change they just like stuck with 
imperial measurements for stuff. This is according to J.K. Rowling. Uh, Does that, that include inches mm-hmm. for like the wands? Mm-hmm. Oh. Wait, is that how Rowan talked about? Was it 14 inches? Is that yeah, what he said? That, yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, apparently when the first book was going under copy edits, uh, she was advised to switch to metric units and uh, because it was standard. And basically she said that she refused the change or the suggestion for the change because um, there was no logic to it of like why would there's why no would reason they, for them to have changed why, yeah why would they mm-hmm. have changed and also she said that um, she finds the old system more picturesque more quirkier because it's uh, you know metric is you're you're working in tens and so like that it's being very consistent systematic, yeah systematic yeah. and so her rationale was that. No, they do that. Like they have galleons and sickles and knuts, so like right, it's kind of right, like right, whatever. Right, right, that right. we'll just stick with this <laughs> miles per hour. That was that was the only little fun fact that I found about nice. her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other little fragments is like when he's in the bookshop, he's like searching for books. Monster Book of Monsters comes up again, and we're like, "Oh, Hagrid, hey!" And the, oh, the dude's like, "Yeah, like, oh, yeah I can gosh. imagine that guy's." I, I've always so empathized irritated. with that guy really well. Yeah. This like where he wouldn't, and then Harry's like, "Oh, I already got one." And he's just like, oh. <laughs> and then he helps Harry really well. Yeah, yeah. But he mentions Ron the, and Hermione need two. The in uh, invisible book of invisibility. Yeah, that is definitely a con yes, job. It is. That is not a real thing. Yes, it is <laughs> a con job for sure. And can you imagine, like, because he's talking about like having two hundred books, like this whole shipment. I wonder who wrote know. it. <laughs> <Lock> <laughs> But can you imagine requ- requiring that text, making a bunch of people try to purchase it, and like that, like what is that even? Mm-hmm. My goodness, classic. <laughs> um, Ron, yeah. So Harry ends up meeting up with Ron and Hermione. It's it's very as uh, we know with the beginning of the school year, everything with Harry is just so dramatic. <laughs> like his yeah. year starts are so dramatic. Like we go up until like the day Ron's before. <laughs> The day before, they're about they're supposed to go get on the train, and he finally runs into them, and it's like, well, this is your last chance, you know. But we, at, upon reading the chapter, realize there's more going on. But I, um, the more that I read into like more slowly with this, the more that Ron seems to have this role of like constantly bringing clarity to us as the readers mm-hmm. and like Harry as also like the kind of not knowing what's going on within the context of mm-hmm. the wizarding world because um, Harry is like telling them about Fudge and he's like yeah I thought that I'd get arrested and Ron's like dude you're Harry Potter <laughs> like, yeah don't worry about it yeah so it's just it was just kind of a funny like moment because like Ron is very and he even says like oh if they caught me doing that or blowing up my aunt like I wonder what the ministry would do to me so like mm-hmm. he he understands like the... yeah probably not that much no but, but it's to hard to... an extent that more so than Harry uh I mean I think Harry will become more self-aware of, like, the dynamics and positionings and, like, right. uh, what he means within the scope of the Wizarding World, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, Harold. Oh, Harry. The boy who lived. 
and then we see Hermione again. She's uh, She has tons of bags because she's taking all these classes and gets laughed at for taking muggle what studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I loved how she said, she said it'll be fascinating to study them from a wizarding point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think, because we had that question, I think... Uh, it was at the last book when they were trying to decide for their classes and I asked you like what would you want to take and I think I would want to take muggle studies nope. for this reason hard pass oh I mean I think that I would exit the muggle we, world when we were talking heavily. more about it like muggle studies is probably what I would drop eventually but I mm. I do think in terms of like when we talk about like writing or telling stories or history and that sort of thing and I think that it's interesting to think about how like what kinds of stories are told about muggles sure. in this wizarding world that uh, where probably the people who write the stories aren't mostly people like Hermione. It's probably people who don't really have much interaction with muggles. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. So uh, I also looked up a conversion for galleons. And so 10 galleons is a probably between 50 and 60. Oh, yeah, because Harry's going to have to ask his aunt and uncle for money. Well, He's worried also, about that. That uh, Hermione's birthday is coming up in September, yes, yes. and so her. I wonder what her, her birthday is. Um, I I looked this up before, but I don't remember the mm. exact date. But that's that was the whole Crickshanks thing. Oh, that scene was funny. <laughs> Poor Ronald. Yeah. Just doing his best, you know. Yeah, it's a very realistic scene. I like like she goes in practical like i'm gonna get an owl and she comes out with a cat that has won her heart over and says she says that it's beautiful and harry's like i guess that's a matter of opinion he (laughs) thinks that to himself well also probably because the lady told her like he uh crookshanks has been there so long nobody wanted to take it so it's very hermione yeah she's like oh um okay and then we get to we get to a lot a lot happens i feel like this chapter kind of like you're like prancing along you're like oh yeah the wizarding world it's so much fun easy easy chapter you run into neville long bottom again the the real one and harry ignores him (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just so weird but then we get to the point where it just escalates like it just takes off like they're about they're like getting all packed in the leaky cauldron all of them are there they're getting ministry cars uh percy is kind of like what's this about arthur gets a little like uh, shifty yeah (laughs) and then harry overhears a conversation about him yeah he does (laughs) i mean i don't know how i feel about it i guess i can understand like the rationale to it like what good is it gonna be for harry to know that somebody is like trying to kill him he first of all Voldemort is still trying to kill him. So it's not like that has gone away. <laughs> yeah. But apparently this is a more imminent threat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was I was particularly um bothered at this point again because this is the the pattern over and over. Yeah, I know Harry I mean, Arthur kind of mentions it. Like Harry's thirteen years old. Like at what point are you going to treat him as a full person and not this like This is always the question child? of readiness, right? Yeah. I mean we've had that conversation before on the podcast, but it's worth restating, which is just Yeah. It is an educational and probably parental mm-hmm. concept of somebody being ready or like becoming yeah. an adult and obviously like there are some reasons for it to be eighteen, to be in the US, to be considered yeah. an adult, but uh, yeah. You know, all this stuff. But then there's still like counter narratives of like, oh, old enough to, you know, fight in the war, but they can't drink alcohol legally. Yeah. So th- there's always these sorts of 
it's not a well-defined... Being ready for mm-hmm. some type of information is never a well-defined idea. And I think... I suspect, like, our generation is shaped by growing up in a time where there's memes about uh, helicopter parenting, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the idea of this is the freedom-security dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, I hear about, you know, my parents and their generation and, like, biking everywhere and walking around and your parents didn't know where you were because how would they? There's no yeah. cell phones. There's no anything. Yeah. And then you get to a point where it's like, well, you know, be careful in your own neighborhood. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. I guess, yes, bad things could happen to you. But is that the, uh, is it appropriate to have those things in the front of your mind? My favorite quote in the in this chapter was about the uh, the death omens and the the the, mm. the bookseller is like, yeah. don't buy it. Yes, because you'll no, see that's... death omen. You'll see death everywhere. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a it's quote. a yeah it's a parable on anxiety, right? Yeah. Like you can't if you worry about something, you will find it, even yeah. if it's not there. Like you will say that it's there. So right, I think uh, this is obviously a much more acute like. This is literally somebody accused of murdering 13 people and convicted, like, mm-hmm. has said he's at Hogwarts in his sleep and now has broken out from a prison prison that people thought that couldn't happen. So, like, it's the threat is more substantial than just sort of blanket, oh, you know, be careful out there. Yes. Things are bad or don't, don't do this and, you know, you might get hurt. Uh, but I still wonder, like, it belies a misunderstanding of kids. Yeah. Because well, Harry has that. Harry will mind. find out mm. whether they tell him or not. Yeah. So the question mm-hmm. is, are you going to be open and honest about it? Or is he going to have to piece it together well, in it also, a sort of... Yeah, it causes problems as well of like, I mean, at a certain point, once you realize adults have been lying to you over and over and over like that's not good what no, are you, what are you setting yourself up for if yes. you constantly do this and i mean i think harry's inner like thoughts really captured why i mean um it kind of explains why it made me so angry is because he's basically like, look, dudes, I like Voldemort has tried to kill me three times. <laughs> like, yeah, how many times has he tried to kill you? <laughs> Zero. And I've survived. I've been able to do stuff like and it's just very frustrating because and again, going back to my comment uh, last week and also in previous episodes, like knowing that this is a children's series and relating to that, that mm-hmm. frustration. And like so when I think about like the narrative of like, oh, you know, pre-adolescence and so much angst and you know honestly it's rightly justified because you're realizing a lot of things a lot of things you've been lied to you've been lied to a lot and you're kind of like what is this why is this happening yeah and so i appreciate (laughs) that like we get a more grayscale for this Mm -hmm. freedom security thing basically throughout the whole series right where like somebody like dumbledore doesn't prevent Harry from like going and fighting Voldemort twice, but he also doesn't tell him everything. So Mm -hmm. like you have that in the mix. Then you have Arthur and Molly who appear to disagree and Mm -hmm. do disagree. Then you have coming forward in this book, I think especially is like his Harry's relationship with Lupin when we meet him 
kind of describes the fact that he like is out of his age group and can mm. make a Patronus and all this type of stuff. I think it's part of that description of like, this is a misunderstanding of what the school and childhood could be about or is about. Mm-hmm. Um, where like you, you have, I think on one side you really get um, from adults, this dual issue of like children are innocent, so we should protect them, but also children are naive. So they, couldn't know better yeah but those two things like happen at the same time right if you keep people in the dark of course they're going to seem naive and yeah. you can justify it however you would like yeah. so that's what that is what happens i think mcgonagall tends to uh treat harry much more like a child than dumbledore does mm. um mm-hmm. so it's a you know it's a mixture because then we also get like the you you don't yeah it's a it's a worthy discussion all, every time it comes up. I'm not even sure if I've used this title before for an episode. I may have, but I, I was just like, it doesn't matter. It's it's right, a, right. it's a theme. So yeah, I mean, I went through. I couldn't really find a central like place to do a deep dive because once I started searching for things, so one of the first things that I started searching was kind of like uh, age of my majority. So like when you become an adult legally and I wanted to find kind of more of like historically like how was that constructed that sort of thing um but then I kept getting distracted by (laughs) all sorts of stuff but yeah like all of these things of like when we think about I mean we've had this conversation many times of like adults um the messaging of adults in a lot of circumstances is we know best and so Mm -hmm. therefore this is why we do things um and it plays out in different ways and it it just i think that um what's what's frustrating is as as someone who being young and seeing through that sort of charade but like not being able to do anything about it because who cares i'm a kid whatever Mm -hmm. like it it i think there's like this uh I don't know. There's a there's a lot to be unpacked, and I am interested in the sort of like how did this come to be in the first place? Like where did this first start? Of this sort of like yeah. we are um, we know best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, and I it's not. I don't know. I feel like there's there's lots. There's probably some kind of Foucault to, thing to be yeah. done here. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because obviously we lived it, which is part of the reference. But I think most people do, and then like you talk to adults who are older than you and they're like, oh yeah, I went through the same thing. And it's like, gosh, we, the wheels keep spinning. We do the same stuff to each other. And then, but then I think also like our young adult lives being steeped in education, this is such a central idea Mm -hmm. in so many theories about schooling. Like when people have perspectives on schooling, it is almost, you cannot disconnect it from their theories on like maturity and yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a that's a very strong statement, but I, I strong I I've, in conversation with people, it's always about like, are is somebody ready or not? Mm-hmm. That is the fundamental question that most people answer their schooling theories with. Yeah, but not everyone, because yeah. then there's counters of like, you need free time, you need play, you need like, complete student autonomy at times to pursue whatever they'd like to pursue no censorship no boundaries because why should there be that the world doesn't have those types of boundaries um so it's a 
it's a really uh touchy one for me because it's it's been such a large part of our whole lives i feel like yeah 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 and and i think it's really relevant obviously in this chapter because the whole the whole setting of the chapter is this idea that harry is experiencing this vibrant freedom while also being locked down to one one lane diagonally mm-hmm. in leaky cauldron he can't leave he's not allowed to leave mm-hmm. so you have this like weird balance of like the reason he feels free isn't because he's free to do whatever he wants it's because he happens to be in the place he wants to be so he mm. he feels free mm-hmm. uh so it's a it's a very unique mm-hmm. situation yeah yeah, I I ended up getting to a point where I was like really deep into like psychological theories and not uh, it was more of like um um kind theories that kind of go towards like therapy and stuff and so mm-hmm. like theories about like how we I mean we've talked also off camera a lot about this idea of like um it's not like kids are different species or <laughs> they're just like right. tiny humans and right. we're all just humans and so like it's not surprising that, you know, some of our stuff from childhood also, like, manifest in how we act and interact yeah, as adults. Yeah, and not adults. that and long ago, a lot of families were agricultural families, and kids would be at least part-time manual laborers mm-hmm. starting pretty young. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, like, child labor laws, which have a clear uh, kind of justice bend to them, but are still um, can be wondered about in terms of this like readiness to work because then we start getting things like internships and things and it gets real dicey real fast yeah i'm wondering though um so thinking about like uh that sort of like there's not really it's not like child you although i just did we i don't know if you watch this episode with me but the episode of how i met your mother where they're talking about doppelgangers basically ted at the end of the episode says something to the effect of like we become doppelgangers of ourselves right. and so like i was about to say like it's not like adult you is like a whole different person than child you it's like this connection and like it carries mm-hmm. through um obviously there are some differences but it makes me wonder about the the adults here and what they experienced in formative in their formative years mm-hmm. and how that shapes the way that they see the world and also respond to things like how how is it that uh, if you went through the first Wizarding War, like how does that shape the way that you see the Wizarding Society at large? And like, yeah. although that can be countered with the, well, this dynamic of like adult child, parent child, like that dynamic seems to carry through, but that could just be a recirculation of what you've experienced. And like, it's just easier to kind of defer to that as a more socially accepted way of interacting or way of treating children or mm-hmm. trying to protect them or, um, per- yeah, protect them from pain or, like, uh, make the decisions without their input because mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't know anything or you don't see them as contributing. It's just, it's very messy, of course, but something I think that still needs to be named whenever it's, it's the out, same conversation <laughs> we've had. I mean, it is it is a legitimate a legitimate dilemma. Like, mm-hmm. there's no clear victor. I think you can take principled stances on either side. Like, you can easily take a principled stance and say, like, 
it is childhood innocence that should be protected at all costs as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Then, the, I mean, there's you can poke holes in that pretty quickly because I think at least ev- pretty much everyone that I, I know at my age, it's like, well, yeah, I wasn't ever as innocent. Like at some point mm-hmm. the innocence faded, but then the presumption of innocence that, right. Well, it it makes me wonder if it kind of like makes the parents feel better if you pretend like your child is so innocent or like not, you know. (laughs) And the 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 internet. I mean, there was no hope. We we've talked about that as well. Of like, even if our parents would have wanted a certain thing, (laughs) once the internet was a thing, like, and we generally maybe as users of the internet outstripped our parents' generation very quickly of Mm -hmm. like understanding it and like being cultured in it Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's a pretty toxic place got Mm -hmm. news for you um it can also be quite wonderful but there was never a i wonder like i mean i wonder about like previous generations and what they maybe experienced as kids and and how they dealt with like being labeled an adolescent Mm -hmm. yeah because harry harry is uh I don't know. I don't know if he fe- how if he feels betrayed. It doesn't seem like it. I yeah, think he I, feel... I think he reckons with the the fact that they it's useful that they state in their private conversation that they, you know, they don't want him to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's nothing that he can do about it. Like it's mm-hmm. going to be the prison guards or somebody or Dumbledore or somebody that's going to catch him. Yeah, he kind of just takes it as a like, oh, here's new information. Right. But I think that uh the longer we are with Harry on this journey, I think we see that development yes. in how he feels about it because I feel like we're still we're still on the cusp of it, it's not innocence, but it's sort of this like naive, naive uh, you know, um, trust, I guess, right, that right. he still has this of like, oh, yeah, like they're the adults, like I'm going to like still obey them or like i don't follow them he still is mischievous but not to the extent of of like full-on rebellion let's overthrow this you know that's a different kind of feeling and that doesn't seem to be his reaction here but Mm -hmm. even though it's something that's kind of like whoa i'm like reading this whole conversation i'm like dude harry this is a bombshell like everything that is happening is not what is happening Mm -hmm. and um also i'm excited for in the rest of this book like you mentioned uh that book with the the bad omens or, yeah, or yeah. whatever the mm-hmm. death omens um that that's going to come around again i think for yeah, another philosophical yeah. conversation about yeah because he wonders stuff. if that was what he saw right yeah yeah so i mean we'll probably have the same conversation yeah. at some later time <laughs> but it's uh i think it's particularly salient in this book because this mm-hmm. is much i think that's the reason why it's so many people's favorite story this is the coming to age one. A lot of people tell coming me of age. that yeah. this is their favorite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's because like Harry is, uh, he's not helped in the same way. Like he gets through book one and book two in so- somewhat like kind of ludicrous ways. Yeah, Dumbledore's yeah, yeah. hand <laughs> is so clearly like involved, and then in this one, it's like no, Harry, mm-hmm. Harry will be the Harry. Yeah, Dumbledore is still involved, but yeah. more peripherally. Cool. All right. Anything else? 
No, that's all for me. Okay. Until next time, Juan's, Juan's ready. ready.